Sadaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Shimati Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatateshitaine Srila Bhakti Siddhan Saraswati Thakur Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai I've been compiling a book about the life and transcendental activities and teachings of Srila Bhakti Siddhan Saraswati Thakur which I started compiling must have been in the, in the winter of 1988-89 when I considered that uh, the few remaining disciples of Bhakti Sansar Thakur who were still present would shortly be passing away which almost all of them have done now and that it would be a good idea to find them out where they're always saying and interview them about their personal memories of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Otherwise, their memories would be going with them. So I did that. I, I met the few of his disciples who were still present in the world at that time. Uh, most of them didn't have much to say, actually, because most of those who were still alive at that time had been very young when they were initiated or even if they weren't so young they weren't very um, senior in the mud so they didn't have many memories but I eventually met this uh, you've seen, those of you who have seen this Vangshidas Babaji book the, the, those stories of Vangshidas Babaji I got actually when I was interviewing this Jati Shekha Prabhu about Bhakti Siddhan Saraswati then so many stories, so many things he told me. I, I got information from other sources also, but much from him. I visited his home several times over several years, and he wrote down. When I was away, he, he was trying to remember, then he wrote down. And then when I came, he had told me so many stories. And it was in the course of collecting materials for that Bhakti Siddhanta book that I came across this Mangshidas Babaji because he, in the course of speaking about Bhakti Siddhanta he spoke about Mangshidas Babaji who I, I remember I'd seen his name in our Vaishnava calendar but that's the only thing I, I knew. So I said, do you know anything about him? He said, yes. Can you tell me? Yes. And then for several days he told me about Mangshidas Babaji and he gave me a book he'd written in, in uh, Oriya. And then he translated that into Bengali for me. From that, we got some more details. So that was only a very small part of the, the many, many hours of anecdotes, which I, I was asking so many questions, and that would, he would remember. And so he got so many stories. Um, this Jati Shekhar, he joined the Mart when he was 16 years old. And then, so he, he was there for a few years before Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur passed away. So he, he got so many stories. What happened, he was, he was living in Katak, which is a city in Orissa. 
East, the eastern part of India. Of this sense, so Thakur, he mostly preached in Bengal and Orissa. He spent most of his time. He was born, he appeared in this world in Orissa. But in what is uh, at least superficially a Bengali family. His father, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, was from Bengal. So we'll find, just like Jyoti Shekhar Prabhu, his family had been settled for several generations in Orissa, but still they, at home they spoke Bengali. So like this, Bhaktivinoda Saraswati, of course he didn't spend that much time as a child in Orissa, but he didn't know Oriya very well. He knew Bengali, English, Sanskrit, those languages. So he mostly preached in Bengal, and some, to some extent in Orissa. And he also visited other parts of India. He was mostly in these parts. So anyway, he had a mat in the Ananda mat in Katak. And Jati Shekhar Prabhu, as a young boy, he used to go and stay at night in the mat and then get up in the morning, go to Mangalarti and then go to school. But some of the mat residents, they say, what is this? Why is he staying here at night? He's not doing any service here. So they come, when Bhaktisthan Saraswati came, they complained to him. But you see, this young boy, he's just coming and staying here at night and he goes away all day to his school. So then Bhaktisthan Saraswati asked him, Saraswati Thakur, I'll say for short, Actually, in the Gauriya Mat, they called Srila Prabhupada, but so as to avoid confusion. I'm saying like that. So, Sarasar Thakur, he asked the young boy, Jyoti Shekhar, why are you coming? Like this, you're only staying at night. You're not, you're not doing any services. So I said, I'm going to school, but I, I live a little distance away. I, my family, father's home is a little distance away from the mud. But I want to attend Mongol Arti because I heard that uh, Fala Shruti is there. That if anyone attend, if anyone in the early morning hours, Shri Gorvashtakamaitaruchai, Brahma Mahurite Patati Prayatnat, Saeva Labhya Hare Krishna. Shri Vrindavananata Seva Saeva Labhya. So they, uh, they will, if anyone who rises early in the Brahma Mahurta and chants this Gorvashtakam, they will attain uh, service to Vrindavanath, Krishna in Vrindavan. So I heard this, so I want, this is what I want. I want to attain service to Krishna in Vrindavan. So Bhaktisthan Sarasarta, so you see, he's. He's coming. He wants Krishna consciousness. So he allowed him. There are so many stories. I'll just, I have one section here because Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur is famous for being very strict. Prabhupada used to say that I am 80% more lenient than my Guru Maharaj. And actually that's a, at least 80% we can say because they were very strict in the Gorya Mark. No one was allowed to wear shoes. Of course there was no question of women living in the ashram. There were so many things. So he was very strict. Of course, he didn't all the time chastise, but his very personality was very 
grave and serious. And so there was no, there was no uh, scope in his presence for fooling around. His whole time was simply spent in hearing and chanting about Krishna and preaching. He used to spend a lot of time writing, actually. You see, he wrote so many articles. He, he, did, he did a whole a whole commentary on Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagavat, and Srimad Bhagavatam, and published many, many books. Of, he edited many books of Bhakti Thakur and published them. In many books he got published translations from Sanskrit. He was a prolific writer. Apart from preaching, he did tremendous preaching. He spent a lot of time writing. And he considered anything else apart from writing and preaching and full engagement in hearing and chanting simply to be a waste of time. And he expected his disciples to follow that also. That uh, in Puri, of course Puri is famous, people go there for darshan of Jagannath, prasad of Jagannath and bathing in the sea. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said himself that anyone who takes bath in the sea here at Puri, they will get Krishna praying by the blessings of Haridash Thakur, who passed away at the edge of the sea, and who was, whose body was bathed in the sea by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur, one of his disciples came, and then Saraswati Thakur noticed that he was out of the mud for some time. So he asked, where were you? What were you doing? He said, I went to bathe at the sea. He said, why did you do that? We come to Puri for bathing in the sea. That's why we come. He said, don't. Don't waste your time. You can go and put some drops on, on your water, on your head. That's all. And otherwise you spend all your time hearing and chanting about Krishna. So you see, he was very strict. Our Prabhupada sometimes used to send his disciples, go and bathe in the sea. But he told them, don't bathe in the sea. Just spend all your time hearing and chanting about Krishna. So I collected a few anecdotes of here. Of his strictness, this well-known quality. Of course, he was very kind also. As Jati Shekhar Prabhu noted to me, that if he was not very kind, then how could he, he, have, he gathered around him so many disciples? Well, most, most of his disciples were Bengalis. Maybe you heard that Prabhupada told Oh, Vishnu Maharaj, that you should preach with the courage of an Englishman and the heart of a Bengali mother. So to date, of course, generally, mothers are expected to be very kind to their children. Although it's not necessarily true in the modern age, when there are so many abortions and horrible things. But uh, Bengali mothers especially are very attached to their sons and very affectionate. So Jati Shekhar Prabhu pointed out that if Bhaktisthan Saraswati, if he hadn't been very affectionate to his disciples, how could they have stayed? Because at home they would get overwhelming affection. But he was strict also. So both he would sometimes chastise his disciples very strongly, even for a small discrepancy, minor discrepancy. But his disciples, they used to like it. They used to consider it very nice. They would say that two things are very sweet. Two things are very nice. Prabhupada dal 
That means his Dao remnants, his Prasadam remnants. And Prabhupada Gao. Gao means chastisement. Gali. You know that word? To give some. To call, it actually means calling bad names. So, our Prabhupada, I'll say that so there's no confusion. He used to say that our, our Guru Maharaj used to call us all bad names, stupid, fools, damn rascal nonsense. But we used to like it. He considered it a, a sign of his affection. Prabhupada himself told that once he was in a meeting with that means Saraswataka was sitting and speaking and in the meeting one old man who was sitting next to Prabhupada at that time Abhaida called his attention and he went to listen and immediately Saraswataka chastised why are you speaking? why am I speaking? He said to the old man, Do you think you have purchased me with your 100 rupees month of donation? You can do whatever you like. And Raida said, Maybe you should come and speak instead of me. Chastise. He didn't always chastise. Often just by his presence, the devotees, they would become chastened. Just by, you can imagine that he may be. Actually, there was a lot. There was a lot of tension in the towards the last days. In the beginning, they were very enthusiastic and doing a lot of preaching and taking a lot of austerities, but gradually buildings came, positions came, and there was some arguing among the different followers. And there were basically two factions. One faction who were under... Anyway, I won't say the names. You can get them in the book. There were two factions who were, they didn't like each other at all. But uh, in the presence of Sarsvat Thakur, they felt among themselves they would they have some bad feelings, but in his presence they, they wouldn't argue and fight. Often he used to, complaints would come to him and this. This devotee is doing this wrong, he's doing that wrong. And he would simply say, Shetakhara Balana, that, that is not good. Doing that is not good. And simply that, in many cases, would be sufficient. Devotees, they had such respect for him. Once in Dhaka, that's now the capital of Bangladesh, at that time it was, it was all part of British India, there was one Chudhuvan Brahmachari, who wasn't much of a brahmachari. He used to sleep every morning, very late, until about 7 o'clock. So, when Sarsar Thakur came to Dhaka, he visited there several times. Most of his disciples, most of his leading disciples came from East Bengal. Even most of his disciples overall came from East Bengal, rather than West Bengal. So, uh, some of the householder devotees complain. They say, you see, we're supporting, giving donations to these brahmacharis, simply sleeping all morning, missing all the morning sadhana. But Saraswar Thakur didn't say anything. But Tribhuvan Brahmachari changed anyway, because he was expecting it. Now I'm going to get chastised. But just the... 
Saraswati Thakur said to the household, well, he may do that, but you don't do that. And Chibhuvan Brahmachari changed his habit. If, if someone used to complain, often complaints would come to him about this devotee did this, that devotee did that. So often, often he wouldn't, uh, he didn't like to get involved actually. Even the whole management of the mat, he didn't, he kept aloof. He just wanted, he was doing his preaching, hearing and chanting, he left the management very to a large extent in the hands of Kunja Bihari, one of his disciples. But if someone were to come and complain, he'd say that, oh, he's unfortunate because he's done wrong. He's very unfortunate. But you are also unfortunate because you got involved in it. Why you Once he wrote to a disciple, who, a disciple wrote to him with so many complaints, well, other disciples. So, Sasar Thakur replied, he, he sent a letter in reply that that uh, one in Chaitanya Bhagavad it is stated that one goes to hell by criticizing others. My instruction to you, he wrote in the letter, is not to criticize others, but to correct and purify yourself. I have taken the position as a guru and therefore it is my duty to criticize my disciples and those who come to me for guidance. But I don't know why you are taking such trouble upon yourself to voluntarily take up such a task. The Goryamat had its own prison. They used to call it the Mamgachi Mat. That's one. Mamgachi is a place within Navadip Mandal, which is the place of Vrindavan Dashtakura. Said to have been born or lived there. So he was the last disciple of Nityananda Prabhu. So that was a place to go to get some special mercy. Those who were, those who were repeat, the, the Matavasis or the devotees who were living in the mat, if they were repeatedly misbehaved, they would get sent there. And there they, it was just a rural area, so they, they had a big garden and they, they would work in the garden. He sent there to do some hard physical labor. So he got, he became known as the prison, the jail. Actually, the word jail was given. I don't know what's written here, prison. Jail. So they'd, they'd have to work taking care of the cows and the, the gardens. Once, uh, Someone came to Sarasar Thakur, one respectable gentleman, and he said, there are so many insincere devotees in your mission. Why do you allow them? Sarasar Thakur said, well, they may be insincere, but this is the only place where they have any, any, any hope of purification. You want to send them out, then what chance do they have? If they're here, at least they have some chance. He, then he wrote one article called, that was published in the Gorya called Gorya Hospital. He, com he compared his mat, that means his 
Just like we say temples. He compared that to, to the hospital. This is the hospital. He said, if you come to the hospital and you, you complain, everybody is here is sick. Well, of course they're sick. It's the hospital. What do you expect? But at least they're here and they have the chance to become purified. He said, at least they're taking the cause for purification. Oh yeah, that story about bathing in the sea. I forgot to say that. Sarsar Thakur, he actually, when that one devotee came from bathing in the sea, he actually gave him a slap. He didn't usually do that, but occasionally he did. Once if he saw, sometimes if he saw the devotees that were sleeping in class, it's not a new phenomenon. He would chastise them. Stand up. Don't wash your face. Why are you embarrassing me here? My Guru Maharaj is here. Bhakti Vinod Thakur is here. All the Acharyas are here. And you are in, in their presence, you are sleeping. You are insulting them. At the Chaitanya Mat, which was the main Mat he had in Mayapur, he made Radha Kund. Means he made a pond and said this is non-different from Radhakund in Mathura district. And he also had Giri Govardhan like this. So once uh, one Brahmachari was sleeping during class, he told, take him, throw him in the Radhakund. All the, my guru, I, my guru, all the Acharyas, I've invited them here. But if they see you sleeping, they'll all go away. So don't embarrass them. Once Saraswati Thakur was instructing Harinam Amrita Bhakaram, the Jiva Goswami's Krishna conscious Sanskrit grammar, one Kirtan Brahmachari, his name was, he was falling asleep. So he had the, he had the Saraswati Thakur had this, the rod which you use for pointing out on the board, this, this, and that. He's pointing out on the body, so I'm saying, Hit him on the head with that. These are a few stories. Anecdotes. Of course, you can say these are small stories, but everything that all points out the character of the Acharya. That in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna asks Krishna, "Stita pragyasya kabhasha samadhi stasya keshava stititi stitadhi king prabhasita kimasita vrajita kim." How does the self-realized person speak? What does he say? How does he act? How does he sit? How does he walk? So by hearing about the character of the Acharyas, you see, what is, what is the position of a person in transcendence? Again in Katak, during the winter, it's cold, not like here, but fairly cold. People sleep indoors with the windows closed and they use some blankets. So, uh, one problem is that they had the garden and the tendency is for people to steal. They'll come and steal the fruit and the flowers and so many things. So one Jagannath Brahmachari, he used to stay outside in the winter. In the garden, there was a small thatched, not exactly a cottage, but open on Open on one side, so he could 
If anyone came, he could hear, he would see them and cover with a thatch. So you can imagine in winter it's quite cold. So he used to sleep out there in the winter without blankets, which is not so easy to do. It's quite an austerity. But he was quite proud of that. He would say, you see, I'm such a, I'm such a brahmachari, I can sleep outside in the winter without blankets. So Sarsar Thakur, he heard this, he said, now you go inside. At night you stay inside and wear warm clothes. He ordered him. You're boasting that you're so great. Yeah, someone else will go and do it. It doesn't have to be you. Someone else can sleep outside. But Jagannath Brahmachari said, no, no one else can do it. I'm the only one who can do it. So Bhaktisthan Sarasar Thakur said that, oh, I've got a little proofreading here. <laughs> Don't want the book to be published with mistakes. Is that better? So he said that you're, you're saying that they want to stay inside the house and that you're better, but that is, they may be attached to staying in the warm and you may be attached to staying outside. They have their disease, you have your disease. You're both attached. But they're not boasting that I'm staying inside. You're boasting I'm staying outside. And then after that, the, he went and stayed inside and someone else stayed outside. He was thinking, I'm so great, no one else can do it. One said the Bhagbazar temple, that's a very big, opulent temple in Calcutta. Then uh, the rule is, you see, they have the, the deities, and in front of that there's an area where you can you can come up the steps. The deities are not higher area. You have to come up the steps to take darshan. And then in front of that, there's a little space, and then there's a covered pavilion like this. So the kirtan and everything will go on in that covered pavilion, which is called natmandir. That means a place for dancing. So there's just a small place where people want to go close to take darshan of the deities. So... Saswar Thakur, once he was there, he was offering obeisances in front of the deities, when one man from outside, he came, and he, he came and he just stood where Bhaktisthan Saswar Thakur was offering obeisances. He was just standing next to them. So that means he was standing with his feet close to Saswar Thakur's head. So immediately Saraswati Thakur's disciples came and pulled him out and made a big fuss. What are you doing? You're putting your, your feet, you're standing right next to Anguru's head. How can you do that? So they chastised him. But then Saraswati Thakur chastised them. Why are you chastising him? That he's, he's not living in the ashram. He doesn't know all the rules. Why are you discouraging him? Why are you shouting at him? Any one of you could have gone and personally and politely told him that you please come and stand to the side. And you are insulting him. So he chastised his disciples for chastising the man for 
making an offense to him. Now once uh, Jyoti Shekhar Prabhu, he was a young boy at this time. You see, they used to do the, the, the big festivals in different places, like you're doing here. Mostly in the different marts they do. They'd celebrate different festivals like Govardhan Puja, Janmashtami. And apart from these regular festivals on the Vaishnav calendar, they'd have some, each temple would have its own festival each year. So these festivals, one of the main activities was mass prasad distribution to the public. Here we do festivals, it's mostly for our own devotees. But in India, a temple festival means that all the public is invited. Of course, if you invited the public here, you'd have to, just like Indra Jumna Maharaj, you'd have to be a different kind of festival altogether. So this is more an internal festival. But in India, a temple festival means that you always have to invite the public and give them plenty of prasad. Everyone should be fed as much as possible. So they had, uh, for these festivals, they had cooking paraphernalia, but they would transport it from one place to another. Huge pots, big spoons. Instead of having all this in one center and then only maybe use it once or twice a year, they'd take it from place to place by train. So Jyoti Shekhar, he was in charge, he was a young boy, but he was put in charge of transporting some of that cooking paraphernalia. So he had so much in the train. But uh, the train stops for maybe five minutes and he thought, well, I'll get it out all myself. He could have hired a, a coolie or a... What do you call that in English? English, English, a coolie. He could have hired a helper. Porter. Porter is yeah. He could have hired a porter to help him, but he thought, I'll take it out myself, save money. So while he was taking it out all himself, the train went, with half of it still inside. So Sarsar Tako, when he heard this, he said, Pennywise, pound foolish. You lost, you had to... That's an idiomatic thing. It means that you saved a few pennies, but you lost a few You lost so many pounds. Another time, Bhaktisthan Saraswati, he was going to be at this, he was coming to the station to catch her. He would travel by train, from place to place. Mostly by train. At least in the places where the trains went. So uh, he sent Jati Shekhar ahead to to keep some space, make some space in the waiting room. But when Saraswati Tako came, he, he said, Jati Shekhar said, you see, I saved a place for you. And he said, look, he said, it's the ladies' waiting room. He was so excited, he didn't check to see. <laughs> but Saraswati Tako was very... Uh, he had a lot of, because Jati Shekhar as a young boy, he was eager to serve, so he gave, he gave him different services to do, and he sometimes made mistakes, but he was very merciful with him. Once they were traveling by train to Kabur in South India, which is the place where 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met with Ramananda Rai. So generally, Sarasar Thakur, he would travel in the, in the first class compartment. After the admission got established, and he was recognized as an Acharya, and there was, there was plenty of income was there. He would travel first class and with one or two other devotees, and the rest of the party, they would go in the second class. So while they're traveling, it's a long journey. It's uh, probably about one day's journey. During the, in the middle of the journey, Sarasar Thakur came to visit the devotees in the second class. So he looked at Jati Shekhar and he said, Shri Shanga Karcho, you're associating with women. He admonished him. But Jati Shekhar looked around. I don't see any. Where are the women? He said, you're sitting with your back. You're back, you're resting your back. You're taking some comfort. So that is the same as associating with women. Very This uh, comfort, the word is aram. And there's another word, haram, which means abominable. So he said, this aram, this is haram. Can you follow that? The sadhus, comfort, Often when traveling on the train, you see, just like if they're going from Calcutta to Khavur, they go through all Orissa. And Sasra Thakur would have disciples in different cities where the train would stop. So in many stations they would arrange, the train would just stop for 10 minutes, and in the meantime they'd have a whole big kirtan, and the devotees would come and they'd give garlands. So like this, they would be going along, and in each station there'd be some devotees welcoming them. He'd come out and he'd give them blessings, and he'd come back again. Sometimes he used to even give initiation on the train. Some people would ask, they would write some letter and say that, and I want to be your disciple, you give the address. So he said, well, I'll be, you meet me at this station, this is the station, I'll be going through there, you come up on the train, and then between this station and the next station, you bring the beads and I'll chant it. And so like that, time management. Where did you get initiated? Somewhere between Katas and Puri. Of course, you all probably know the story of Prabhupada uh, told that Sasar Thakur, he was there once in Mayapur and there was a big poisonous snake came out and the devotees were wondering what to do because normally you kill us. poisonous snake comes, you kill it. That's generally what's done in Bengal. In other parts of India, maybe not, but in Bengal, that's the general thing. But uh, as Vaishnavas, they weren't sure what to do. And Saraswati Thakur heard all this, a little screaming, and this, he heard he came out on the, on the first floor veranda, and he saw the snake, and he immediately said, kill it. So Prabhupada was 
He was Abhayda at that time, householder, so he was surprised. And there was some doubt in his mind that why would Guru Maharaj tell to kill a snake when a Vaishnav is he's supposed to be Adrishta Sarva Bhutana Maitra Karana Evacha. He's supposed to be without malice to any living being, a friend to all, and merciful to all. So there was some doubt in his mind. Doubt means he didn't doubt Saraswati Thakur's position as Paramahamsa Vaishnava, but he doubted how is it possible that our Guru Maharaj could have said that. He didn't understand. This is how he related it. But then in the course of studying Bhagavatam, he came across the statement by, I believe it's by Prahlad Maharaj, that um, he was saying in relationship with his father, yeah, Hiranyakashipu, so his father had been killed and Prahlad, the son, would think that he'd be upset that my father has been killed, but actually he was very happy. So he gave the explanation that modeta sadhurapi sarpa vrishchika apihatya. That even a saintly person becomes pleased when he see, becomes happy when he sees a snake or a scorpion killed. So then when Prabhupada read that, he said, Oh, he remembered long time ago. And so my Guru Maharaj ordered the snake should be killed. So this is here it's mentioned in Shastra. That even a saintly a sadhu is pleased when a snake is killed. <clears throat> Once uh, Jati Shekha, he was to go outside with one sannyasi for collecting arms. Bhikkha. So he, he asked us what Because he, he looked up to him like a father figure. He was father's age. He said that uh, Maharaj is going to go outside with me. Is it all right? Saraswati Thakur said, what do you mean he will go outside with you? You will go outside with him. In this way he corrected him. One of uh, Saraswati Thakur's disciples from Orissa was called Krishna Babu. Now, he had some anti-Bengali feeling. Just like in Croatia they have anti-Serbian feeling. It's, some people have it more than others. And even some of the devotees may have it. Is it? We're supposed to be transcendental to these things, but still it goes on. Just like in India, I would say most of our devotees have to some extent some anti-Muslim feeling. So he had this, Krishna Babu had this anti-Bengali feeling. So Sasa Thakur said to him that if you go in the jungle in Orissa, do you think the tigers in the jungle will say, oh, he's an Oriya. We're also Oriyas. We will not eat him. They'll also eat you. Do you think the tiger will embrace you? This is how he addressed his 
anti-Bengali feeling. Once at a festival at the Bhagbaza Goryamat, one householder devotee came with his family. So until recently, and especially in those days, come with his family means you know, at least 10 or 12 members. So one brahmachari said to him, you see, when we came for collection, you gave so little, and now at the time of prasadam, you're going to take so much. What is this? Sarasar Thakur said, don't count how many people he's brought. Don't think how much he's brought. Don't worry about that. Let everyone come and take prasad. Sarasar Thakur, he understood this household, but he actually was, he didn't have much money. But he thought, he explained that someone, many people may give donations, but they may not come. Because they're rich, as a matter of a pious activity, they give some donations. But they're not so interested. They'll come and join the festival and take prasad. So Sarasar Thakur said, the person who comes and honors prasad, even if they don't give a donation, they are more fortunate than those who give a donation and don't come to honor prasad. So, I'm not saying you should take advantage here, but this is what Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur said. However, Saraswati Thakur didn't uh, like that those living outside the mud would come to take prasad just to fill their bellies for free. He, were, he was very particular. Anyone who came to the mud, they should be given some prasadam. Everyone who comes, they, should, they shouldn't leave without taking some prasad. But he didn't like that householder devotees should come and with, without doing any service or without giving any donation, they'll regularly come and take prasad. He used to say that you should not eat prasad. Prasad should eat you. That means that's... Uh, you see, eat and enjoy, that's the, the same That's the same word in Bengali or Sanskrit. So it's like a play on words. So you should not... You should make a note of that too. That... Uh, Prasad, Krishna Prasad, you should not eat that, but Krishna, he will enjoy, you are, the, you are not the enjoyer, you are the enjoyed. Again, the same thing, when there was one wealthy man, he was again and again asking for raskulas, give me more, give me more, give me more. So Thakur said to him, are you eating prasad or is the prasad eating you? Prasad is the bhukta. You are the enjoyer. You are the bhogya. That which is to be enjoyed. There was one uh, Goryamat Sanyasi who was always preaching to others. You have to chant attentively. When you do japa, you have to chant attentively. So Saraswati Thakur once commented that he himself doesn't hear properly when chanting, but he's preaching to others. In other words, that he is uh, he's preaching for his own 
himself is not on that level, but he's preaching for his own purification. I one time saw Sartako noted that the sannyasis, he had, he made over 20 sannyasis. The exact number is difficult to ascertain. There are different lists. But uh, at one time at the Gorpanima festival in 1929, he called together the sannyasis and chastised them that you're spending so much money on your personal expenses. He said that any, all, anything you collect that should be deposited with the mark. And then anything you need, that will be given to you, not that you take directly. He said, otherwise, if you take that, I've done so much collection, therefore I deserve so much myself personally. He said, the day will come when the pujaris will open the collection box and use it to buy coconut oil for their wives, for their wives' hair. This was in Bengal, oil in their hair and scented oil. It's supposed to look nice and smell nice. So he said, the time will come. If you start doing this, sannyasi is that you take money for your own personal enjoyment. The time will come when the pujaris will take money out and use it for the oil for their wives. There was another time, there was one, uh, Bodhayan Maharaj, who... He was very good in collection, but Sarsar Thakur didn't like his collection techniques very much. There is one community in India, the Marwari community, who are famous as uh, merchants. And in many parts of India, they, they dominate the whole uh, business community. So in Katak at that time, still now, and most of the shops in the center of the city were owned by Marwaris. So they become very wealthy, but one of the reasons they become wealthy is that they're not only expert in business, but they're also expert in, 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 in avoiding paying taxes. So one time Bodhayan Maharaj, he went to the income tax officer of Katak and said, proposed to him that you come with me and we'll visit the Marwaris and we'll make some collection for our mark. In other words, that he, if he was present, then the Marwaris would feel threatened to give him more donations. So he, the income tax officer refused, he said. Well, that's not very proper. So, Bodhain uh, Maharaj said, well, you see, I come all the way from the mud. So at least, why don't you let me use your car to go back to the mud? So he agreed. So Bodhain Maharaj, he went back to the mud in the income tax officer's car where the sign was there. Income tax inspector. So on the way to the mud, he took a bit of a diversion through the bazaar and stopped and went to all the Marwari shops with the income tax officer's car. So they felt that this man's in with the young. It was like a threat. So he told them so many things. That, you see, we have 300 brahmacharis and we have to give so many dotis and so many... So he came, he had... 
came with a huge collection of so many items and money and so many things. And he stood outside the gate of the mat and called out, Jayam Vishnupad, Paramahansa, Parivrajaka, Acharya, Ashtotadrasata, Sri Srimad, Srila Bhakti Siddhan, Saraswati Goswami Maharaj, Prabhupada, Kijaya. He said it very loudly three times. Saraswati Thakur was staying there. So he asked, what's going on? He told him, Maharaj, he, he had some, he knew him. He said, what's going on? He said, I brought, he showed, Bodhain Maharaj said, I, he showed so many things that he had collected. But actually, Saraswati Thakur, he wasn't pleased. He said, this is not sattvic. And he showed one other Puri Maharaj who had gone out on the same day. Just by going door to door, showing his Uttariyam, this is his Uttariyam. He had collected some rice, some dal, some lemon, some potatoes, a few coins like this. He said, this, this bhikkha, this collection, this is sattvic. Gaurasundha will accept this. So he told Bodhain Maharaj, you, you go back and you take all those things back. Uh, I don't know. There were several Puri Maharajas. Not the, not either of the Puri Maharajas. Because both of them took sannyas after. There's Bhakti Swarup Puri Maharaj and Bhakti Srirup Puri Maharaj. But I asked Dati Shekhar and he himself couldn't remember. He just remembered it was Puri Maharaj. I, I think it must have been, must have been Srirup because he was always said he was very humble soul like that. And it's, it's a little confusing because one of them took sannyas and then he went back to his wife. Prabhupada mentioned it. And then he came again and Sasvartako gave him sannyas again with another name. There are many things. because there, Actually, there are many, many points. I've been researching this for a long time, but there are many things which... You have to find out all these old Gorya magazines and search them and read them in their own Bengali. There are many little details like this. And it's a lifetime project. We get all so many details. There was one uh, Sri Bhushan Brahmachari who was very clean. He used to, t- he was, he used to take bath at least five times a day. He was always washing his legs. If he'd walk anywhere, he was a little bit dirty. He'd make sure he washed his legs and everything. Whenever he went outside the mat, he'd make sure to wash his feet, his lower legs. He was very particular about keeping very clean. So Bhaktisthan Sarsar Thakur told him that bathing is not our dharma. Chanting the holy name is our dharma. Don't waste your life in constantly taking birth. Keep life simple and make time for chanting the holy name. Don't spend so much time for bodily maintenance. Bathing the body is required, but not excessively. And he sent him to be a pujari. You like to be clean? That's good. Be a pujari. suitable for you. Once when Saraswatako came to the mat in Madras, in South India, he found it all 
dirty and disorganized and all the devotees fighting among themselves, he sent everyone home. Go home. Go home to your mothers. He brought new devotees. He said, you're not fit. You're unfit for brahmachai lives. You go home and live life as an honest household. He completely restocked the mat with different men. Once uh, one of his disciples, well, Gunamani, he told his, he asked Saraswati Thakur, you please speak some Harikatha. So Saraswati Thakur replied, Gunamani, ami gai tumishun. I'll speak, but are you going to listen? In other words, Gunamani, the way he was asking, it was like, oh, like demanding, now you speak. He didn't appreciate that. Once there was a, a Yatra group. Yatra means they do uh, religious dramas. It's more entertainment, and, but it's kind of religious. It's, they, it's one kind of profession, to perform Yatra. So one group came to... Valesha in Orissa, where Saraswati Thakur was staying at the time, had asked him to attend their performance. They were going to make a play about Nimai Sanyas, how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took Sanyas. But Saraswati Thakur told him, said, We don't want Yatra Chaitanya. We want real Chaitanya. He directly told them. In Katak, they, there was a pond in the temple which they for washing the deities' paraphernalia, washing the pots after cooking. But in Orissa and Bengal, as you may know, people are very fond of eating fish. So they would often come to eat, to catch fish in the pond. It's also a taco. He didn't like that. It was bad. One man was regularly coming catch fish. Saraswati Thakur told him, don't take fish on this pond. This pond is non-different from the Yamuna. The man didn't care. He kept on coming. Then uh, one time while he was fishing, he was bitten by a snake and died. Another time, one advocate came to see Saraswati Thakur, came to visit him, and while he was in the middle of speaking, he, he lit up one cigarette. And Saraswati Thakur asked him not to, but anyway he went on smoking. And Saraswati Thakur requested him three times, you please don't smoke, but he went on. Then uh, after some days he got cholera and died. So be careful. Once... Uh, That means that Krishna doesn't tolerate offenses to his devotees, especially very powerful devotees. We have to be very careful. Once in 1930, there was the magazine of the Goryamas. They had several magazines, five or six, English, Hindi, Assamese, Oriya, Bengali. They had the daily... Nadia Prakash, daily newspaper. They also had the weekly 
or was it mm, two weekly, fortnightly? Gorya, one magazine, in which many of Sarasar Thakur's lectures were printed and many of his important essays have appeared. So many of his essays, he would write so many. So once that came, one article called A Report of Service, and in that he exposed the improper behavior of some of the Goryamat members who uh, their names were put there, and were prominent members, and then one time the, the Gorya came out and they saw it. Our name is here in the magazine which is distributed to all the Mad members and even to the public and saying well, they've done this wrong and that wrong, they're very upset. They came to Saraswat Thakur, they didn't blame him, they said, well, why is the editor published this? So Saraswat Thakur said that that if we are criticized for our wrong activities, if we are actually behaving wrongly in the guise of sadhus, then no one will appreciate that. They won't excuse us. They'll be unhappy with that. I'll also be blamed. Therefore, it was right to publish this article so that there may be reform. He gave the example, if there is no power in the, in the powerhouse, then there's no use. You may have thousands of light bulbs connected to it, but there'll be no light. So similarly, we may have so many followers and a big institution and so many buildings, but if there's no purity, then it's all completely useless. This was the example he gave. There has to be power in the powerhouse. He often used to say that the devotees, they have to be a living source. That they, they actually have to have Krishna consciousness. Then you can give Krishna consciousness to others. So there's, there are many articles he wrote. One was called Mahant Guru or Guru Giri. It means a real powerful guru. And Guru Giri means guru ship. That means Guru Giri. It means the practice of being a guru. Guru ship. Making a show of being guru. So like this, he was very exacting about what Krishna consciousness means. He, he fought his whole life. He was fighting with wrong sampradha, the bogus cheaters in the name of Vaishnavism. But within his institution also, he didn't want his own followers to be like that. He was fighting with the sahajiyas on the outside. And he said that if our own men, if they become sahajis, they're more dangerous. Because we're supposed to be representing the right thing. And if our own men, they become cheap and cheaters, then that is more dangerous. He, he wrote so many things, pointing out the defects in Vaishnav society at that time. This uh, Prakrita Rash Shatadushami, he wrote again and again in explaining what is 
incorrect if you try to if a guru tries to instruct an unqualified disciple in the science of grass that is incorrect or if, an un- if a disciple who is not qualified for that tries to understand or hear the science of grass that is also incorrect so so many points he made it on and on and on he was known as the lion guru one of the leaders of the india indian independence movement called him singha guru just like a lion this indian independence movement he also there was very powerful and strong you can imagine just like just like recently there was this uh, war between croatia and serbia croatia and serbia and and then there are muslims in bosnia a little complex but You can just imagine at that time, you, all, you must remember that, right? It's only a few years ago. You can just imagine during that time, if you tried to preach that this uh, fighting against the Serbians, it's all useless waste of time. Can you imagine? How would, it be, how would the public receive it? Would they think it would be very good? Would they agree with you? They'd probably kill you too, isn't it? It's say you're a Serbian spy or something like that. So in the same way, Bhaktis Dantasar Thakur, this is he was preaching during the time when the Indian independence movement was very strong. They wanted to kick the British, quit India. Gandhi told the British. That was his whole message for the British in two words. This is our message to you, quit India. No more negotiations, this, that, get out. That was Gandhi's message. During this time, Bhaktisiddhanta, he didn't sympathize with the independence movement. He said, it's a waste of time. We don't mind the British being here. They have no complaint. They don't disturb us. Why should we disturb them? So uh, this uh, very naturally very much angered the leaders of the Indian, Indian independence movement. They were very much, they didn't like him at all. But this Chitaranjandas, he appreciated. And there was another one, Madan Mohan Malavia, who was a prominent leader of the Indian Indians, who also had great in- appreciation for He used to sometimes visit him in Calcutta. And uh, after meeting him one time, he said that we need a thousand sannyasis and brahmacharis like preach the real principle of independence throughout India. Which Shastra Thakur was saying, he said the political adjustments, it doesn't make any difference. Our real business is to get free, not from the oppression of the British, but from the oppression of the senses, from the oppression of birth, death, old age and disease. And practically we see that after India's so-called independence, instead of The British exploiting the Indians. There were other Indians exploiting the Indians. They just changed from white faces to brown faces. So Madan Mohan Malavia, one time he came to Calcutta. He was uh, he was an intellectual. He, was the, he founded the Benares Hindu University. So he asked Saraswati Thakur. Said, I have some questions for you. So Sarswati Thakur told him, you go and ask the pujaris. 
said, no, I don't think your disciples can answer this. You yourself, I have some very complex questions on Vedanta. I want to ask you. And if you at all have any idea about Vedanta philosophy, you can understand they can be very complex questions based on Sanskrit grammatical usages and so many different things. So Sasar Thakur said, no, anywhere you go and ask the Pujari. Generally, the Pujari means that there may not be more, the more educated devotees, they'll be in the editorial department or preaching. I went to see the Pujari. So the Sasar, Madan Mohan Maladiya, he went, he was, he was a big man, but he was submissive enough to that he followed his direction. So he went to see the pujaris and said, I have some questions for you. At that time, the pujaris, they were cleaning the brass paraphernalia. They said, we're cleaning the brass now. You kindly help us, and then afterwards. So he helped. A big man, famous man, he was helping cleaning the brass. He finished cleaning the brass, and without asking any questions, he went bug to bug to sit on Saraswati, who then asked him, that, well, did you get the answer to your questions? He said, yes. He said, while I was cleaning the brass, all the answers came in my mind. Sasar Thakur said, yes, this is the process. Simply by intellectualism, you cannot understand the absolute truth. But by service attitude, he reveals himself to you. There are many, many stories. Once there was one... Uh, older woman who was rather cantankerous, that's the word I was told. Do you know what that means? It means argumentative and irritable, not very, not very pleasant. Always used to fight with So, then she passed away. And then after she passed, everyone was saying how they were remembering how she used to fight with everybody. And Sasra Tako heard them and said, yes, but do you remember how she used to cook for everyone? She used to do so much service. He didn't complain of that. So in this way, he corrected them to see the good points. Another time, one man came to join the mud and they gave him service cleaning the pots. So he used to scrub very hard, 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 and get them very clean. The devotees said to Saraswati Thakur, you see this man, he's scrubbing the pots so nicely, he's doing such nice service. Saraswati Thakur said, hmm, we shall see. We shall see. He didn't seem to be very impressed. So after a few days, that man's wife came and took him back home. So then they, you see, you see, he was serving so nicely and then when his wife came, he immediately left. Why is that? So that's what Tako said. That, see, he'd, he'd argued with his wife and he came to the mud just to, just to sh as a show to her. He was very angry. That's why he was scrubbing the pot so hard. And he was just waiting for his wife to, his wife to come and say, please come back. He was just waiting for them. 
That was his threat. If you don't submit to me, I'm going to become a Stalin. So he, was, he had no interest in nothing. It was just between him and his son. Still he did Okay, I only have 13 minutes. I'm supposed to finish at 12. So, Hare Krishna. Are there any questions? It's Croatian? You're speaking Croatian also? And Prabhupada said, Prabhupada said, Do you want to start asking the question again? Okay. We hear. Maybe. Near Okay. We hear how strict. Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was. And we also hear how Prabhupada... Well, this is a kind of multi-tiered question. <laughs> One is, uh, you know, how much can we implement the things that he was talking about, like, you know, no shoes. When he, when he gave a class, he, he, he made that there was some partition, you know, the ladies with right, the, right. The, the Well, that was standard. There, there, there was a bamboo, uh, right? bamboo uh, partition bamboo, yeah, between yeah. the men and the women. But that was standard in all religious assemblies or any public assembly at the time. So uh-huh, yeah. It wasn't super strict, but it was just everyone used to do that. Uh-huh. That was the culture. The, the, the men didn't come for looking at the women or vice versa. Now, uh, right. Uh, no, Prabhupada and actually not wearing shoes. I mean, when I first came to no, no, not, not one, not one thing. But I'm, I'm just saying it's not that he was. So, in many ways, we think he's very strict, but <laughs> almost no one wearing shoes wasn't common actually. In '75 in Bengal, most people didn't wear shoes. It was only when they made the factories and they started making these mass-produced rubber shoes. And even now in South India, some uh, high-class people they don't wear shoes just as a matter of principle. So, we have to see it within the cultural context. Uh, so, okay, so here's the lower tier part of the question. <laughs> As we, we see that Prabhupada, he said that, uh, you know, he was 80% lenient or tolerant uh, compared to his Guru Maharaj in dealing with us. And I think we could, you know, I think everyone would agree that uh, uh, most of the present uh, gurus in Iskand are even more lenient than Prabhupada, maybe another 80%, you know, whatever. So, you know, if we give it time, <laughs> we see it going down. Uh, um, the strictness, and of course, nowadays the cultural... You know, we're preaching in the West, we see there's a different cultural context. You know, whereas the partitions and the no shoes were present in Bengal a hundred years ago or eighty years ago, whatever. And uh, nowadays, you know, Prabhupada had to make quite a lot of adjustments when he came to America. And nowadays we see that there's even, you know, the, the standards since the, the 60s and 70s has also gone down. So where's the end of that? And how how do we balance all these things? And, and it's a very big question, and um, different individuals will have different approaches in answering that. Um, 
what will be the end if we go on making it more and more liberal? The end will be uh, going to hell. The end will be going to hell, that's all. Um, well, I've considered this question very deeply and I'm, because I've compiled or I'm, I guess we're talking about 80%, more than 80% through compiling a book on Vaishnav culture, etiquette and behavior, which is supposed to be a practical guide on what devotees are supposed to do. So I've, t- I've taken it the other way, actually. That rather that be more liberal than Prabhupada, we should take it that Prabhupada was introducing something, but actually he wanted that devotees would adopt more and more the stricter standards, or the, the standards of Indian culture. So I've taken it the other way. And the more we, the more we preach the proper standard and strictness, or the higher, the higher you set the level, then the higher you can expect those who are coming in to follow. If you set a very high standard, they may come. You put the, the bar here, they may come in here. But if you put it here, they'll come here. So that's really the duty of Acharyas, actually. Acharya means, what is that verse? Achinoti Yashastratam. Achare api. Swayam achrate yasmad. Acharya means one who preaches according to Shastra, acts according to Shastra, and establishes the standards of Shastra. So in, in the book that I'm writing, I've taken that, there, the Shastra, there are so many different things mentioned, but we particularly have to follow... There's a whole section on Pramans. How have I arrived at what I'm putting in this book? Because even Prabhupada said different things at different times. So I've taken it that we should... Our basic standard is what Prabhupada gave, because he is the Acharya, who was established that this is how we should follow. But we have to see, in the beginning, Prabhupada was extremely liberal and gradually introduced more rules. And some of the things he allowed in the beginning, he was more strict with later. But he also said that he wanted devotees to learn more of the Indian culture, he wanted devotees to come to India to learn more about those things. So, um, the approach that I've given is that I've given many of the different rules, said that maybe in the West we can't follow all these immediately, some can start to follow it, and at least those who are supposed to be Brahmins, they should start to follow it. Definitely the rules of cleanliness and contamination, which devotees in the West, they have very little knowledge of, the Pujaris at least should start to follow it. And then gradually we can start... The Brahmins are supposed to be leaders of society, so those who are... Bra- actually want to be Brahmins, it's not just a matter of having a string on your body. And it's not even a matter of knowing Shastra, but you're also supposed to know Achar, what is called the Vedas, so they can start to implement that, which at the moment I see, uh, actually even in India, the present generation, outside of Bengal and Orissa, they don't know even very basic things. They have to, they have to teach them everything. Practically like in the West. So, uh, so my, that's my approach, that we should aim for a high standard. Why should we go for lower and lower? Aim for a high standard. And then even in, uh, even we're talking about making an 
expanded Vaishnav society. So in that, the Brahmins we will expect will follow more strictly, and others less strictly. But what I've seen, even in Bengal, those who are called Namashudras, which means those who are by caste, by birth, lower than Shudras, they follow many things which we in the West don't even know. Points of cleanliness how they behave with others. So we have a lot to learn, and it's very important. It's not that... Sometimes I hear people say, oh, this is all karma kanda. Whoever says this has no idea what karma kanda is. These are rules followed by all sections of society. And they're necessary, just like this, this point of purity and contamination. You see people, they put their hand in their mouth, and then they put their hands in it to chanda, japa. And they put their hands in their mouths and then they go on the altar without washing their hands. And so many things. They, they put their, they're combing their hair and then they put it on top of their Bhagavad Gita. And, or they just leave the Bhagavad Gita, the comb down and on the table and so many things. So many things. They, they don't know. They have no consciousness. It's a matter of conscientiousness. First you have to learn. So anyway. I'm hoping this book will have some effect because it's actually required. We have to serve Krishna according to his standards. That's the point. Krishna consciousness means doing what Krishna wants. So at a lower level, we can do what, what we can manage and somehow or other worship Krishna. But the real thing is to do it according to Vaikuntha's standard. That's what we should aim for. We should aim at doing what, how Krishna wants. Not that what we can kind of half do. That's not Krishna's standard. So it's a very delicate question actually because even in different parts, even among different Vaishnavas, you'll see they have different standards for doing different things. But as I also wrote in the introduction to the book, actually this is defining standards is something which whenever there's a new Sampradaya, of course there are no new Sampradayas, but there are Acharyas come to establish standards or they come to establish Sampradaya just like when Ramanuja came then he gave these are the rules and regulations we should follow when Madhva came he came he gave the rules and regulations so at some point in time for our international society for Krishna consciousness it has to be itemized that this is what should be done this is what should be done this is how it should be done so this book I'm doing is a beginning at least saying what He's giving some indication this should be done, this should not be done on many different points. It's a big question and there will definitely be differences of opinion about it. But uh, as you're asking my opinion then I think it's at least from what I'm told, it's fairly well known that I'm not much in favor of liberalism, which is often an excuse for just not being very serious, actually. Liberal means we can, uh, in the beginning, yes, come. But after some time, if you want Krishna, then you have to learn to know what Krishna wants us to do and do that. 